Happy Monday and welcome to another episode of the Equestrian Performance Mindset Podcast. I am Jocelyn Liljeno, I'm an event writer and mindset coach and of course also your host for this podcast. And I am absolutely thrilled that you decided to tune in today because together we are going to make sure that you start making strides in your mindset so you can truly make strides in your riding. What's up, everyone? Welcome to this second guest interview on the Equestrian Performance Mindset Podcast. Today, I'm sharing an interview with you guys with Angus Stewart from the UK. He's an event rider who specialized in riding and training young horses, in particular horses that are, let's say, a bit challenging. So Angus is sharing in this interview with us the, the amazing stories that he's, he's been along with, the, with those horses. And also what really intrigued me is the way he thinks about training young horses and he's really got some cool ideas as to how you can go about this in your mind and I'm really impressed with the fact that Angus is only 23 years old but he's already gained so much experience of so many good ideas as to how to train young horses. So without further ado I'm really excited to get started and share this interview with you guys. So super welcome, Angus. Thank you so much for coming on the show. So tell us about yourself. What are you doing? What are you writing? Yeah, so as you said, my name is Angus Stewart and I'm 23 years old and I'm I'm based in Oxfordshire in the UK, very near a very posh town called Henley-on-Thames. I have 13 horses to ride at the minute. They range from three and four-year-olds all the way to uh, nine and 10-year-olds that often have some behavioral issues as a group on the yard we don't shy away from problem horses um that keeps life very entertaining sometimes puts us a little bit in peril but it's all good fun and the result at the end of the day is sort of what we keep what we keep going for but to be honest i've been around horses for as long as i can remember my granny is an international event judge been on the ground jury and judged at Burley and all the big competitions since since I remember. And she taught me how to ride naughty ponies, some very good ponies. I came up through Pony Club and retrained quite a lot of ex-race horses along the way. Did some breaking in, hunting, and basically just got my hands on every part of the equestrian world I could. And that's it, really. I love that. Super. So what actually like got you into horses to start with? Was it like the thing you got put on a pony like the, before you could be walking? Or did you decide self that you wanted to get into horses? Or how did that go? I don't really recall ever my first my first horse ride. But I was put on a horse as a youngster. And I think my parents naively thought, no, we won't like this for very long and stop putting money into it. Um, and I just loved it. It was a bit of a car crash at school. So no one ever sort of said, yeah, Angus, uni's the way for you. That's sort of what took me for a career in horses. And I had always wanted to be a William Fox Pit or an Oliver Townend. Or I never, in the north of England where I'm from, the event isn't massive mm -hmm. 
I thought that the dream was a bit too big, you know, like I imagine lots of people do. And now we're well on our way to getting there, which is really nice. So. That is such a cool, and I, I can totally relate to what you mentioned there, like being that dream is too big. So what would you say, like, what would the what was the moment where you realized that I can actually get there? That's a very tricky question because I think there are moments that give you glimpses, yeah. but don't talk about them because you might sound stupid, which for me is the moment your five-year-old understands something profound in the school or decides that suddenly he can jump show jumps properly without clattering through them or finally gets over his problem with water jumps or goes clear finally after however many times cross country having a 20 out whatever it might be I think sometimes you then think, okay, well, what's stopping this horse now? It all comes down to it. If he can do everything at this level, then why can't he do everything at the top level or the level below that? And my mind is very much, I'm a very positive person with the horses I ride. There are some horses that people might go, God, no, that's not going to get anywhere. And actually a big drive for me is not very specific, but it's when someone says that horse isn't very good or can't do that, then I will work all day every day to make it so that that horse in might not be good in their eyes but they can't deny that oh god it's won an event and it's you know a fantastic jumper and it does a lovely test and it's great cross country you know and that's something that does push me to believe i can get them to get back and get to that dream but i'm aware there's lots of little potential problems in the way that yeah i've passed a few but not quite hit some i'm sure yeah and so when you say problem i have so much that i want to dig into what you just said but to just go back to what you first mentioned about like okay so the moment you made the click really or what made you believe that you could do it is really the horses themselves so like the work you're doing seeing how you figure something else together with a horse bringing something out of a horse is that sort of what made you believe that actually i think i've got something extra here i think i can actually do something in this sport yeah well i to be honest i don't want to sound cocky but i've never doubted myself Mm -hmm. I very much, I remember my first season properly eventing my first few competitions. I was getting horrific dressage scores. And I, you know, you see Biggie March drop down and get a 21 and you sort of think, well, why, why are my marks at 36? Why is that happening? And I, this was towards the end of a season, went over winter, took a step back, worked on the flat work with just the mirrors in the arena and some help on the ground but very few and far between and the first event of the season boom 29 you know from getting 36 is when I make that analyze what I've done and understand that something isn't good enough mm -hmm. then I'm very quick to correct yeah. that and uh, my mind's always been a little bit like that I'm very good at making sure I'm doing the right things for the right horses or for aspects of life you know needs fixing I'm very good at actually just getting it fixed yeah. and that is the for me why probably I do I've never been worried about my ability and um, because in basic form all we're doing is pointing horses at fixed obstacles at high speed you know and it's just the horse your training of the horse and how much of a relationship you have and so when I see that relationship and training blossom I start to get a glimpse of the future and how possible or impossible that might be yeah so it, it sounds to me I don't know have, do you know the concept of like growth and fixed mindset do you know that concept uh, I don't no it's because it's really it's really interesting to listen to you talking because a fixed mindset those are the people who believe that like a talent is fixed and there's no way like either you're talented or you're not you got a specific skill or you don't there's nothing that can be developed there but yeah. hearing you speak without you actually knowing that this even exists you have a you really have a typical growth mindset where you see like you know it can be developed right it can always 
be, I can always gain skills. So whatever I need, I can just analyze this and I'll figure it out and I'll be able to move to the next step kind of thing. There's no really no limit. I don't have to be concerned about if I'm talented enough or if I got an ability enough. I'm just going to develop whatever skills I need, if that makes sense. I know nothing about the brain. I just know mine is very simple and if something needs to be done. You got to do it. Yeah. And that will be my approach to life. Yeah. But I believe that, yes, if you have a fear of something or if you don't feel you can cope with like a competition pressure or whatever it might be, I do believe if you actually just focus on overcoming that, then that's totally, totally possible, like overcoming a physical boundary. If you can't do 10 push-ups, you just keep working until you sound. I would I would treat it the same. You know, the brain's a muscle and you got to work it out from time to time. A hundred percent. Exactly that. And that is just that that is so obviously your perspective on things. And I a hundred percent believe that that is the reason why you are so successful, because a lot of the people, when they get stuck in that fixed way of thinking, they're limiting themselves because they don't believe that they can develop. They don't believe that they can get that step further. So it's really interesting to, to hear you talk about that and just see how you got this natural ability of believing that you can change and believing you can become better. Yeah, I often see people in the same rut. And I think some people I've chatted to helps to sort of think of actually how much you might be affecting the horse. I always think, I say to lots of people who aren't confident, riding's an act. Riding's a total act. You have to be Robert De Niro, Jim Carrey, all these different characters and actors all in one day. I mean, an example would be when the other day a horse I got on him and for some reason he's he's quite new and he's never been tricky yet. And suddenly he decided that he would just freak out a little bit and the farrier's van was on the yard and I don't know how to describe it. You know the the vans with a full uh, back door, they lift all the way up to create a canopy. Yeah. Yeah. Um Lewis the farrier had his anvil and his grinder pulled out of the back of that with a canopy over the top. And Philippe, the horse, decided that he was going to run backwards underneath the can- canopy with me on him over the anvil and the grinder. And oh somehow way unscathed, a very much a near-death experience. But what did the what did the horse understand happen? He did some crazy shit for a minute. It was a bit scary. And then suddenly, oh, good boy. You're all right, mate. It's okay. Everything he's done was absolutely not okay. But I had to act and be totally calm. And often I find I'll get off a horse and I'll have a sudden rush of adrenaline if something crazy's happened. And so my instinct is so trained now to, to remain calm or outwardly calm that I must have that rush of adrenaline when I get off because it needs to come out, you know. Yeah. I have to bottle it all up a little bit when you're on, just to say, it's all right, it's all right. And I know the reason I think that helps people is my sister, who is not horsey at all, and her husband, who's also not horsey, and they're big into going on stage and theatre and dramatics and all that sort of stuff. And I sort of think, God, I, I couldn't get up on a stage in front of a crowd of people um and she said well it's not it's not me getting up there it's the character i you know the in their mind the character can get up on stage and can sing and dance in front of all these people but they themselves couldn't and so i sometimes find it helpful to say to people who are nervous you know become a character that can totally adopt that ability to sort of yee 
get your full chaps on your cowboy hat and you know, <laughs> pretend you're John Wayne for a day. And you might, that character might show you that after all, whatever the thing you were nervous about was not that bad in the first place. And maybe your own character can start to find it not so bad. Whether that helps or not, I don't know. But I think, was... I think that's an amazing, that's, that's such a good idea. And it's so cool. Like I, when I talk to people and a lot of time when I start to coach people, we, I, I ask them to do a future pacing exercise. I want them to imagine themselves like in the future when they have sort of overcome all their goals, like when, they, when they've been riding badminton five-star or whatever that looked like. I want them to like vision themselves, like visualize themselves being that person and then sort of, you know, write down all the traits that that person has so that then later on, you know, when they're coming back to the moment, they can sort of picture that person and how that person was. They have felt the feelings of being that person. So it's going to be yeah. easier to, for them to step into like yeah. riding like that person. But that is, you know, literally what you are describing now in a different way, obviously, but I love that idea of just like you can decide who you're going to be and just like step into that role of being a top rider or whatever, or some role medal of yours when you're stepping onto the horse. It's like just like stepping onto the stage. I, I never heard that before, but that is such a good way of thinking about it. Yeah, I mean, it's it was interesting for me when my sister said that to me and it was sort of profound. I sort of went, oh, my God, that's totally the same for me. Yeah. I sort of ride these crazy horses that try and put me on the floor every five seconds. And the only experience they have is positive, hopefully, unless they've sort of thrown me and I've caught them in the mouth of their reins or something. But, you know, apart from that, I'm not a big fan of sort of punishment and uh, that sort of stuff. But I would be very quick to pat, pat, good boy, it's all OK, little lean down and maybe a treat. But that's very hard as a rider because i find a rider's brain rider's mentality is often the reason they get on with some horses and not with others mm -hmm. and they generally i would say that is because a rider who is very good on the flat is a rider that's very strict not in a nasty way but strict they get to the markers they do the transitions where they're supposed to do the transition they don't do medium trot half a yard too late they started half a yard earlier They've got to be in that strict, polished mindset. And sometimes that rider is a rider who spends a little bit too long in that, you know, on the gallops or out hacking and the horses can't cope. And I think it's really important. Everyone has some asset that someone else wants in terms of mentality and belief in what they can and can't do. But I think you've got to use it. You've got to understand that you're not rubbish to everything. You're just good at very good at one thing. And maybe that closes some other doors. Yeah. So like, how exactly are you using that? What would you say is an example of like when you're stepping into that role? Like, is that depending on which horse you're stepping onto? Like which, which role that you're, you're going to take on or, or how do you, how do you use that? Yeah. Well, I mean, at, at this point, it's very much become me, but I do have to, there's a, I have a horse called Donald who, or a rider horse called Donald. He's, owned by my lovely boss but he's very very we've had lots of stopping and rearing and spinning we decided that he needed a very specific way of training of riding otherwise he'll stop um and that's a lot of pressure mm -hmm. a petition where you have to accept that if I get this wrong, the horse will stop. The horse won't feel confident enough to jump. So that for me is a very pressured moment. And riding him for a while now, I've almost created a character that might not be, might be hard to describe, but a character that doesn't make those mistakes. And 
I'll canter into an arena and I don't know why I do it, but I will take one big deep breath and I sort of close my eyes whilst I'm cantering around and I just move my head from side to side and that helps me just become the guy who can ride Donald perfectly. I'm no show jumper. You know, I, I'll miss as much as the next person, but it just helps me calm down and just focus on giving him that ride but i don't need to some things i really i don't need to focus on quote unquote getting in character for but another example would be getting on a baby or going in the baby for a foot in the stable with a baby for the first time or you know taking a, a four-year-old around the field and you know i mean it's first country in the field i'm aware of the fact that i could end up on my ass mm-hmm but just because that's, that concern is brought so much further forward than maybe me riding, I don't know, another horse around the field or getting on another horse, I can't let that. My my character is not letting that face him. He's not worried about getting on and he might even hum a little tune or be singing away or chatting to someone. And actually, I have no interest in the song I'm humming or the person I'm chatting to, but it's a good way of just playing into that role and i don't really know how i'd get into it but it would be very much just a a focus on certain attributes that characters in my brain have certain attributes that i need to focus on and physical attributes as well you know i almost had a little checklist in my head whatever you do i just don't move your legs on this one because it's very cold back and then i'm in the zone and i'm focused a lot of the time especially with the sharp ones when you first get on them the ones that have a problem we have one called Derek, who's very very cold backed and i I get on him and sometimes i'll walk around and then he gets so uptight that i have to hop off and occasionally he'll, he'll bolt with me that's his thing he'll just run and bolt and you do that on the yard, and so it's fairly uh, nerve-wracking to, to uh, crack that egg. But often I'll find that I get into a total rhythm of closing off my mind, becoming this guy who can just get on horses, pat, pat, and if they bolt, oh, God, and then jump off and start again. And as soon as I jump off, my heart is racing, and I sort of, oh, I'll take a deep breath and then I'll get back on the mountain block and Derek will be standing there looking ter- terrorized going, oh my God, don't get on me. And I'll have to then go, right, I'm back in the character who can totally be a guy who gets horses. And, you know, I'm not like, I'm like everyone else. I'm not some freaky weirdo who isn't nervous about getting on psychopathic horses. I just have an ability to somehow, or maybe I understand very clearly the amount of stress you can cause by not being able to overcome that with these types of force. Um, I am very aware that if you put someone who was, who said, Oh my God, I guess I'm terrified uh, that they would already be probably at the tip of Scotland because Derek would be gone like a flash. And so they just see how important it is to, to be able to do that. And I always think, God, the body and the brain is amazing to be able to hold off my heart pumping like crazy and oh, feeling an adrenaline rush to be able to stop that yeah. i feel that i don't know i'm not consciously doing it just one of those things that happens and it's really in- interesting to experience it but it's almost become normal now yeah the mind is such a powerful thing and and i think to be honest we as humans we're just on the we're starting to discover the power that our mind has but i think we're we're, we're far from actually understanding all of it just yet but it's uh yeah it's so cool how you get to experience those things. So 
tell me about like a little bit more about like the horses that you ride, like what you're doing at the moment. Have you got any goals set out for this year? So at the minute I have the ride on one five-year-old Derek, who is extremely well-bred, a lovely jumper and a lovely mover. They are all being taken slowly and all the five-year-olds a little bit behind they might do what we have over here it's called the next gen which is a great competition for young horses and for me i'm not bothered about being competitive uh, you know that really doesn't phase me with the young horses i don't care if a judge sort of thinks my five-year-old you know isn't the next i don't know next chilly morning i wouldn't be very concerned and also if my horse went in there and had four poles down again I'd rather him go in there and have four poles down and a positive experience rather than two and a half poles down and have me work incredibly hard and just learn that, oh my God, this place is horrible. My dad is awful to me. He makes me do things that are not normal and all that sort of stuff. So I often just ride like to sit there and for his first dress I was just the other week. I was just trotting along and Pat, pat, good boy, and they're free walking along rain and hold the reins, and I was patting behind the saddle, and I might have a little chat to the judge as I walk past, you know, oh, it's his first competition, please don't be too scary, and all that sort of stuff. Um, just because it helps that feeling that it's all no pressure. Yeah, That's generally what I do with my five-year-olds, which wouldn't be that exciting. Uh, they learn everything they need to learn about jumping through doubles and jumping into water and over ditches and all that fun stuff, but I'm not worried if they have a mistake cross country or anything like that. So the five-year-olds, as exciting as they are, they're not very exciting because they don't do a great deal, especially not competitively. The six-year-olds, the six-year-olds are a minefield. They, how do you plan a season for a six-year-old that went around a B90 last year and a logical plan that would suggest, okay, I'd love him to jump around an intermediate novice or a two-star at the end of this season. It seems miles away. Uh, I sort of wrote down plans and then sort of, oh God, don't look at those because they're quite scary. And I didn't speak to Jack, the guy who does our entries. I just went, yeah, man, to the next one. Just do it. See what happens. And actually, they step up to the plate. You know, they two out of four of the, at the minute have stepped up to novice. And Lambo had only done one B100 at the start of the season and then popped straight in at Novice extremely and she popped round it double clear she's fantastic and so the six-year-olds were aiming sort of at uh, the six-year-old Osberton at the end of the year which will be exciting I'm hoping that we can get all of them qualified to be there but that's a big dream we have Gary who would be my top horse at the minute who is slightly crazy. Um, he's incredibly strong, <laughs> incredibly tense in the show jumping, and he can't cope with the crowds and all these crazy things. And aiming to take him, hopefully, around an advanced at the end of the season. And he'd find that a bit easier, probably, than maybe even a two-star. A two-star at that international atmosphere he really, really struggles with. Mm -hmm. He's not able to cope with, with that atmosphere at the minute, but we're just working slowly away at him and, He'll, he'll get there, I have no doubt. But I haven't jumped him around a long format yet, so I'm hoping that that long format format suits him because he, he's had a day cross-country before, before he needs to show jump. So he's had a bit of a blowout and he can, you know, that adrenaline might not be quite as crazy and too much to deal with. 
you know, on the last day, but we can, we can only hope. I have Donald, who is 10 years old, and he is a very tricky little individual. He's come from some questionable background, and we, at the start of the season, took him to his first outing at a local school hire, and he trotted up to the first cross ball of all about 25 centimetres, and stopped, reared, spun, ran backwards, and I thought, oh my God, what are we going to do? It took me about five minutes of gentle persuasion to get him over said cross ball. And eventually we jumped everything in the arena, probably from a standstill and a leap and a, you know, from a horrible place. But we just carry on, carry on. And lots of, we we jokingly call it Feng Shui. Um, We have Jack on one end of a jump, Monica at the other end of the jump, me on horse and trotting up to the jump, jumping it, treat, turn around, trotting up to the jump, jumping it, treat, and just keeping going, making it a really positive experience. And that's really helped him. Absolutely fantastic. And he's got over his fear of cross country. And interesting for me that I always thought those shy, quirky, crazy horses, they they always want to feel less you know, bits and martingales and bridles and nosebands and all these funny things. You want to feel you have less of all that. But actually, Donald is a funny horse in the sense that he actually wants to, his body sort of goes, oh, I've got to take charge so I can stop if I need to. And actually just reminding him that he can slow down, nothing bad's going to happen. And I ride him in a fluffy noseband, a set of acoustic ears and a three-ring gag, the Waterford mouthpiece. And basically all I have to do now is squeeze my fingers twice and he'll just sort of soften his jaw and the tension in his neck and his body. And he can just relax, you know, stopping's okay, it's fine. You know, their only job as horses is to get out of the way of the obstacle in front of them. And I'd say it's our job as a rider to make that the easiest option. The horse will, without fail, always take the easiest option. And so I... I'm not worried about him stopping as the big terrifying vice that's crippling to, you know, the people who take the horses for lessons and it stops and the trainer goes, oh my God, you'll stop, you let it stop and now it's going to stop forevermore and you're going to just sell it and buy something else. What a load of rubbish. I'm not on that train of thought, but a lot of people probably disagree with me. But yeah, he's a, he's an interesting one that keeps me, keeps me learning because he now quite likes the fact when I sort of squeeze, squeeze my fingers, he sort of goes... Oh, dad's there, sort of holding his hand a little bit, and he quite his, his ears will go from flicking backwards and forwards to relaxed and straightforwards, or you know, just in a relaxed state where they were initially. And it's interesting to see for some horses, you know, a little squeeze, squeeze down the rein, and they when they're feeling tense, and they go, "Oh, freak!" Donald, yeah, absolutely loves that. So he's a really interesting one that you know might finish on a B hundred, he might finish on an intermediate. He's talented, but I'll see how much he, he's, he's loving his job by the end of the season. I'm going to take him slowly, and i do not able to jump him at home still. He doesn't like jumping at home, but he'll go out and compete, and we can we can get him around the course of jumps at home. So that's, uh, sorry, at a competition. So that's that's really nice. We've got four five-year-olds, sorry, four six-year-olds, five-year-old, and yeah, and a horse over from France who's quite tricky. Um, it's not easy at all, but. We're making progress. We just haven't got around to making a, a rest of the season plan for him because he's currently not able to sort of jump a little a little fence without it blowing his fuse and him starting rearing and running backwards. So we're a little way off planning his season just yet. So so really what you're doing is you're really just focusing on the horses as they are and how you can improve that particular horse rather than setting like actual 
goals for them or 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 how do you go about that so at the start of the season i make a i make a season plan but i feel a bit like when you go down a big hill on a road and they always have an escape lane even not even in a negative way yeah. there's an event that i want to take the six year olds to their first international and it hasn't quite got enough entries and so i need to come up now with an escape lane that i before didn't have because before I didn't realize they were going to a two-star. So it's all been positive, um, you know, and there's no international then for the rest of that month. And so it's sort of, oh, God, well, that's cocked up the plans. You've got to be able to cope with a change in the plan um, because they might pull a shoe the day before an event and rip off half their foot or, you know, cut themselves in the field or, God forbid, injure themselves. So these things happen and I'm very aware that actually we just go from event to event and I'm lucky in the sense I plan. They only do one event a month generally mm-hmm. uh, because for me, if I do 10 events, eight events and someone does 15, let's say I do 10 and they do 15 and they have average event horse's career is 10 years long. They're doing a hell of a lot more runs on that horse's legs than I I will be. Um and that's the mindset I have. So in terms of planning and escaping problems in the planning, I have lots of room to do that, which is nice. I can just about cope with planning around those unforeseen mistakes. Yeah. And I go about plans on the horse I hope turns into with some training. And so often I'll have in the plan, let's say, P90, P90, P1, P90 slash 100. And then Jack will confirm with me what I want. And if everything's gone very badly, I'll say, let's do another 90 because we'll probably mm-hmm. kill off if we go 100. Or I might say, God, Jack, why are we going 90 still? Come on, I don't need another 90. Get me signed up. So in that sense, it can it can change, but I do leave room for that to, yeah. uh, that to happen in case my judgment is a bit off. Okay. So, so in that sense, you are setting, like you are setting goals, you are making a plan, but then you, you are like available to be flexible. Like, it's not like you're gonna, it's not the end of the world if you don't switch out one event. So you have this sort of plan that you want to go at, but you're also flexible with it, depending on how the, how it goes with the horses. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Brilliant. Okay. So you mentioned in the beginning that, you know, everything is, is sort of going well, but there were some like problems or, or challenges maybe at the moment do you want to talk a little bit more about that yeah well i the, the challenges themselves really are the other other horses mm-hmm. and i think the biggest injustice you can do is actually go to the sort of sign up and, and agree with the the problem you think you've got to stay very much on the, the other side in terms of you can't giving up's the wrong word you can't sort of take the negative attitude that oh he might you know We've got a water problem, so he might never get there. Have the when he gets over this water problem, he's going to be fantastic. And mm-hmm. I've got to work out, run some diagnostics in terms of you know, uh, I might take a horse down on the lunge to the water and actually analyze what the problem is. You know, I've got one at the minute, and he he'll very much stick at water the first time he goes through it. Then once he's been through it, he sort of goes, oh, okay, that's fine. And so you jump in and out and you, you know, do anything at water. So you have a few questions you've got to ask yourself and work out what order it's in because I took him down. 
I said, okay, in the cross-country field that he's been in only a thousand times before. I took him down to the water on the lunch. I took him to the water. He sort of walked, 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 walked. And when he was three strides away in walk, he went, oh, God, Walter. Uh, uh, mm, uh." And so the problem is no longer the water. For me, the problem is 20 strides back. How do I communicate with my horse that there's some water coming and he needs to get ready for that? And actually, I need the courage at a competition, which I probably, in all honesty, don't have yet. I need the courage and the faith in my training, his good behavior, which is not very often, that if I tell him, Jimmy, there's water coming, is he going to promise me that he's not going to go, no, I'm not going in the water. And so you could have those two things combined. One, he doesn't see the water till the last minute. Two, he doesn't want to get in it. Mm-hmm. And so then it becomes double the problem. But, you know, if you have that approach to problem solving, not problem finding and whinging about it, it sort of, it creates a more positive atmosphere for the horse to overcome whatever problem he might mm-hmm. he might. And I think lots of people have a very negative attitude with problems, but, you know, the bigger the problem, the greater the story when you win badminton, no? <laughs> Absolutely. I love that. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. All my horses nearly having me on the floor at some point. And when they all decide they're going to win badminton, you know, obviously they've got to take it in turns. But yeah, I'll be uh, sending them to horse and hound going, look what it used to do. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. You never see a problem as fatal. Like you always see it as something that you can overcome. It's just a matter of figuring out the 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 reason for it and then basically find a solution. You only focus on on like solution. Yeah, we, we jokingly have a saying, no problems, just solutions. Yeah, absolutely. And whilst there's not always a solution for some horses, you have to be realistic in that sense. You know, there is always some solution to the, the bigger problem, you know. Mm-hmm. And there's always some solution to the bigger problem in terms of, well, we've got this horse that won't do the job we want to do. The solution might be there. Okay, the horse will never get it to do what we want it to do. And... You know, he's not going to be happy doing that. So maybe he can be a great hacker for my mom. Yeah. Or, yeah. You know, there's always a solution somewhere. Yeah. I, I truly believe that. Even if it's not the solution maybe you want, there is always one there. That would be my mindset for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more with that. I always say like a challenge is an opportunity in disguise. It's like even... I, I even see them as opportunities. Like there's something that's supposed to come out of it that's that's going to be good. So it's all about finding it and, and looking for it 100%. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. So we talked about the young horses, how we're setting goals, how we're approaching them, the flexibility in it, how you think about, you know, just horses in, in general, that it's important to make the job as easy as possible. And, uh, and rather than punishing them, just, just see how you can make their, the whole ride easier for them. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Super. So this has been so, so nice. I've learned a lot in here and there's going to be a lot of valuable knowledge. Is there something that you feel like we, we haven't touched upon that you definitely want to like some message that you want to, to, to get out there? Well, my girlfriend who's hiding somewhere in the background um, is the cleverest person I know. And she has so many other opportunities open to her, but she wants to do horses. And I think there are a lot of people in that, that bracket, Mm -hmm. but they, even though it's a, maybe a niche market and a bit tricky and a bit hard and it's rubbish hours and, you know, need lots of money and all that sort of stuff, then there's something I heard that I think is very good. And that's 
you can fail you can even fail doing something you don't want to do so you may as well give what you want to do a try and fail at that before you then go to the, some, the thing you didn't want to do in the first place you know don't take the safe option because it's easy to fail at that as well and i'd say that's the biggest the thing that keeps you know even though it's hard and even though it's difficult and you know the chances of success are few and far between and the prize money's not very good you know what what i want to do and i'll yeah, I'll do everything I can to, to keep doing it. So I'd say that's the biggest the biggest thing to take from from anything you can is just times on your side and just keep chugging along and things will get, get easier and get better. Yeah, absolutely. I, I I love that. I love that that just mindset to go into things like you, you you're gonna you might fail. We are gonna fail at some point, right? And you might as well fail at some doing something that you love than than failing at something uh exactly. That you don't love doing yeah amazing super brilliant so been so nice t- talking to you angus um where can we find you so like if people want to follow your journey where can they find you uh a Stuart eventing on instagram is the uh is the place i share mostly and it's just the same on facebook so super and do you have any any sponsors any people that are helping you making this all possible that you would like to give a shout out to be honest, there's a new one coming on board, who's KM Elite um, and Strive Free Saddles, and so without those, it, it wouldn't be wouldn't be very easy at all. And my horse is very grateful for sure. Brilliant. So yeah, really happy. Super. Thank you so so much, Angus. I bet you have a lot of horses to go and ride today. So I'm really grateful you took some time out out of your busy day to sit there and talk to me and and get this message out there. So thank you so so much, and thank I you. wish you all the best of luck for this season. I really hope you enjoyed that interview just as much as I did. My key takeaway was definitely how we can step into being a character when we step on our horses. And I used this tip yesterday when I went to a competition and I had a great round. So I cannot say anything else that, guys, this works. I'd love to hear what your key takeaway was from this episode. So please go ahead and share this on social media and let us know what you enjoyed most about this interview. And other than that, I'm going to challenge you, as always, to start making strides in your mindset so you can truly make strides in your riding see you guys on the next episode